Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Blood and Mud podcast. I'm Lee, as you know, um, and Josh has had the temerity to piss off to Tenerife mid-World Cup. So joining me is the man for all seasons, each one of them in Paisley. It's uh, Mike Bubbins. Hello. Hello, Lee. Hello, world. Hello, Josh, wherever you are. Yeah, probably sipping something by a pool, which is not a bad place to be. There's a pool outside my house now, but it's an entirely different one due to the pissing rain. Is it flooded yeah. down there, Mike, in South Wales? I saw some yes, pictures. Yes, ab- absolutely frigging horrendous. Yeah, thanks for asking. <laughs> it's, it's, we're in Wales, mate. Everyone's like... If you're not on a mountain, you're at the bottom of a mountain. So, yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's wet. Wedge between a mountain and the sea. Not a good place to be. Well, it is in it's, some ways, but not when it rains. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure back in the Paleolithic times, it was a great place to be, but I mean. <laughs> well, it's been a bit of wild, Bubs. What have you been up to? Anything TV and exciting happening in your life? A few little bits and bobs from the go. I've got a couple of series coming out uh, on. Um, I'm, I'm probably BBC Wales' best known sitcom actor at the moment, which means nobody knows who I am outside of Wales. <laughs> so, yeah. Have you, you become like the Welsh version of the Australian lads who do like Sons and Daughters and oh, the names in the 80s just rotate? There was only two comedies on BBC Wales last year, one called The Unexplainers, one called uh, Tourist Trap, and I starred in both, and no one's got a fucking clue who I am, <laughs> including in Wales, which is brilliant. So, um, yeah, it's good. So one of those is going again in, in about a two weeks' time, two or three weeks' time. 
Yeah, a few other bits of my, my boy's been doing well with his rugby, so that's all good. Yeah, um, I saw that. He's in the Cardiff schools team. Is that right? Yeah, the under 11s. So he's, he's under 10, so he's gone up a year and he's he's chuffed. So um, I can't tell because I can't tell from the scale on the photos, but he looks a big lad. He looks a lump. He's big for under 10, then he went to under 11s. Well, he's, he's like six and a half stone, um, which you know is, is, I suppose is pretty big for his, his year in school. They got a kid there. Um, one of the bigger lads there who's like plays a bit of rugby league in the summer as well, Harrison. He's 13 stone. He's under 11. <laughs> that's, that is, I've lost a bit Mate. of weight. That's, that's 10 pounds lighter than me. <laughs> Mate, it's a, it's, you know, he's like a tank. I shit you not. Like, it, they would do like a, a, a blocking, like a, a drill with, with the sort of the blocking pads, you know, like a rucking drill. And uh, they put him, for some reason, they put Ben in with his Harrison kid. And, <laughs> and I was watching it, being a supportive dad, you know. And uh, he went airborne. It was like it was like watching. It was like a cartoon. Harrison hit the rucking pad, and Ben just went about fifteen feet in the air. Should it have got boing as he yeah. did it, sort of thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had the first win. They played last week. He played against Newport Schools. He had a great game, so I was chuffed for him. And they they what? they won. Uh, yeah, they won. Well, it, it won't be long until he's chasing back rows from West Rails round Chepstow. Training grounds. Oh, yeah, please God, he hasn't got my temperament. But um, I tell you, it was so nice. We'll get onto it in a minute. But we watched the uh, the Wales game on the weekend with him. I said, "Listen, mate, me and a couple of the boy mates are going to go to the pub on Saturday morning and watch it there because my my daughter jumps on my head, but I'm watching sport. Right, I want everybody peace and quiet." <laughs> I said, "You want to come, mate? You're more than welcome." And he came. We were, you know, no one was having a drink. We had a cup of coffee and Ben had orange juice and stuff. But then the day before, my wife said that Ben said to her. Um, Listen, Mum, don't make your plans with me on Saturday morning. I'm going to the pub with the boys to watch the rugby. <laughs> <laughs> He's nine. I thought I was getting. Go on, brilliant. Uh, well, let's plod on. If you want to get in touch with the pod, I'm at Blood and Mud. I'm Lee at bloodandmud.com. You are on the Twitter and stuff, aren't you, Mike? So where do people find yeah, you? Yeah, just just at Mike Bubbins, yeah. If uh, you want to, uh, yeah. Oh, so tell, I've, got, I've got to quickly tell you. I don't know if I'm going to mention it later anyway. I, I a couple of times I've done a podcast called um, Fighting Talk, which which yes. you, you may or may not know. I was supposed to go on there recently, and I mistakenly it was my, it was my I dropped a bollock. I uh, was going to my screen wife's wedding party that day, so I couldn't do it. So I was very apologetic, and I missed out on being in the panel with uh, James Haskell, which would have been oh. which would have been which would have been an absolute. Well, he treat can't block you in real life, can he? I suppose I he'd have I to know. actually banter with you, wouldn't he? So, That'd be great. Yeah, but so there we go. There we go. Oh, Next time. A narrow miss. Right then, so if you want to get in touch with us, you can do it that way. We are on ACAS, yeah. we're on Apple and all that kind of thing. We also have patreon.com slash blood and mud. For those of you who want to give us a bit of extra support, you can obviously come in and just pay your $2 to support us, which is lovely. But some people choose to come into the VIP area, the 90s lounge area in, in oh. the Alley Brew Lounge, pay the extra cover charge. Um, what was the 90s like for you, Mike? How, how would you envisage a 90s bar? Absolute blur the 90s for me. <laughs> uh, so I, I was 18 when they started, 28 when they finished. Yeah, it was great fun. You Best know, days wonderful. of your life. Oh, wonderful times. So the people who've decided to come into the extra part and the VIP lounge since we were last on is Matt Price, Ben Sweeney, and Niall Coyle have all done that. But then Welcome finally, I'd like to say a massive thank you to Matthew Morgans, who's joined today and went and gave us a little bit more than the minimum contribution. This is, what you, us... this is what we need. This is the sort of person we need. Matthew Morgan sounds Welsh. 
Sounds like a, sounds like a good egg. Yeah, I mean, give him more than you need to. I filled up a bit when I saw that, Matthew. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I mean, it could have been you, you just made a complete balls up with a fat finger on a phone. It could be Matthew correcting it as we speak. But... Matthew's son has fucked it up. Matthew's son is, is six years old and, he, and he's contributed. And Matthew's currently emailing to try to get his money back. Like, I, you know, the kids buy, like, coins for, like, Minecraft. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, that, that My Little Pet Shop, my cousin's yeah. my cousin's lad dropped about 400 quid on that. Yeah. It'd be a weird yeah. kid, though, if they were giving, if they were trying to sign up for Patreon podcasts, wouldn't it, rather than a kid? But you never know, do you? You never we'll know. Come. Everyone's welcome. But anyway, it's incredibly grateful. We're incredibly grateful for you doing that. And also, Very Mike, you know, won't take money for his appearances, but he does like to be paid in gin. So your contributions <laughs> are, are very helpful. That is true. That is true. We start as we always start with the player spotted. Long-time listener, now patron, and dear, dear friend Bruce McConaughey gets in touch and reaches out in the Patreon messages to say, I'm not sure this is a player spotted, but many years ago, while at uni in Edinburgh, I went out for a drink with a friend of mine. Being a nice bar, we decided to don mm. our blazers and look quite nice. We wandered in, and as soon as we came in, we were told by the bouncer, the rugby thing's upstairs. I apologise for that. Um, what an accent. Thank you very much. And were ushered in, up, up a glass staircase and up we went. We wandered upstairs and found the entire Scotland team drinking away merrily after I think they had just beaten Argentina. Bullet points Christ. from the evening are... That was, that was a while ago. <laughs> bullet points from the evening are as follows. Mm. Kelly Brown bought me chips and cheese. Top man. Sean Lamont still owes me two bottles of Magnus. Yeah, Chris Patterson eats more kebabs than everybody else, even though he doesn't drink. <laughs> Alistair Strokosh didn't recognise me, even though we played in the same club the previous season. We left, and the final bit, which I do like, we left because my friend almost got in a fight because he bought Alan Jacobson's wife a drink twice. Oh, yeah. I mean, first one's polite, second one's taking the piss. Isn't it, it is, isn't it? Especially the, se- like, the you, second one, you're fishing, isn't you? Yeah, and you don't want to be fucking about with Chunk's missus. Do you know oh. what I mean? He's, he's, he's a big lad. He can't catch you. And he takes things personally. That's fine. <laughs> so thank you very much for that, Bruce. If you've got a pl- Although that was quite interesting. We're normally not quite mundane players spotted, but we'll let you off. If you want to get in touch, you can get in touch at Blood and Mud. On the DMs, they're open. You can send us if you've spotted a player and we'll we'll read it out. We are- i got to, I got to say, sorry, mate. I, I got a tweet liked uh, yesterday, discounts, by Jonathan Davis, a.k.a. Jiffy. Did you? So that, was a, that was a highlight for me, yeah. Were you able to tell him how many subscribers Premier Sports has got? Because that's the thing that he's red fucking hot on. So he'll is like he, anybody who says that. He's obsessed he with it. Oh, well, now I know that. No, he was at the Elvis Festival in Porthcawl. Oh, and so he looked like, he are looked you still like doing absolute, that every year then? I didn't do it this year. First time I haven't done it. And he looked like an absolute twat uh, in um, <laughs> like Elvis glasses in a wig. And I, and I just I put on, he put the picture up. I said, at last, something Jiffy's not good at. <laughs> and he, he looked like an absolute plum. But uh, yeah, he was uh, liked by John the Davis. I love that. I think he's confident enough in his own, ex, you know, achievements, experience, and gravitas to, uh, to take a bit of a ribbon, isn't he? He's a grim in a wig. <laughs> right then, shall we crack on with the weekend then, Mike? Let's do it. Let's Any do games it. that happened this weekend that you can remember at all? Anything that sticks out? You know. Well, I, did, I didn't have a drink this weekend, so obviously the Wales game was. Uh, <laughs> I'm so pleased I didn't drink Saturday. I, I never thought I'd say that, but it was such a such a thrilling game to watch. You know, really. It was it was so good that I was just so pleased yeah, that I was stone cold sober. I had about three cups of coffee, watching in the pub, and I can remember every single second of it, which is lovely. Because usually I sort of wake up with a bad head after a Wales win, and you sort of remember the you know, and then you watch it on like Scrum Five or whatever, and remember the tries you'd missed the day before. I can remember every every second of action from that game. 
Well, I'm right. I don't even know. I'm 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 covering some games for the Guardian now. Listen to you. I do minute by minute live stuff. I literally sit in my pajamas doing it. Do you know what I mean? It sounds like I don't get to go. So you, people keep get texting. Dream going, job. Are you in Japan? No, I'm fucking not. I'm sat in my house. But it's a three, three p.m. kickoff as well. Yeah. So so I was up from half four in the morning, both Saturday and Sunday, to cover the games beforehand. So I was I was getting oh, a little nice. bit sleep deprived by the Wales game, to be honest. But it was a. Uh, there's something nice about we're saying this to Josh of the week about watching games having the rest of the day to kind of mull oh, them brilliant. over and kind of take them and you know take it all in. Isn't it? Well, the first Wales game, I, I ended up accidentally on the piss all day, and I, I sort of forgot there was a school day, so I took the kids into school. I met one of the boys in the pub. Um, Can I just wind you back there? You forgot it was a school day. Did you not realise it was a it was a Monday morning? Well, no, I took him in in the morning. It was fine. That was all good. Then I went straight to the pub, and I, he got a text saying, "What are you drinking, mate?" So I'd love just have a coffee. And a bacon roll. So when I got there, I had a coffee and a bacon roll, and he got me a pint of um, a pint of beer as well. I said, "Mate, I got you know, I've got to leave you. Whatever happens, I've got to be out here at three o'clock. Got to get the kids." And uh, I, I just about managed it. And I sound like, like a neglectful dad now, but we were on it from like ten till three in the afternoon. Then I picked the kids up, fairly merry, singing a couple of songs and just enjoying myself. Crossed the road quite safely. Got him home, and then phoned my wife. Said, "Listen, you've got to come home as soon as you can." What's the matter? What's the matter? I said, "No, I've just I've started drinking. And I don't really want to stop." <laughs> so, I, I had two. I had, all I had in the house was, was strongbow dark fruit. So I, I thought that looks like squ- that looks like squash. I'll get away with this. So I had two pints of strongbow dark fruit while Kelly came back from school. Coaching went, teeth, that does very and teeth. Then went, and then went straight back to the pub to meet the boys. It was good. Yeah. <laughs> If you're from social services, I, I apologise. <laughs> I got them home and they were perfectly safe. What more do you want? It's an outcomes-based exactly. assessment. The outcome was they got home. So Exactly right, Ben. Exactly right. Yeah, so let's talk about the Wales game, I suppose. Well, first of all, like you said, what a game. What oh, a, mate. Regardless of whether you were neutral or whatever team you were watching, generally speaking, what a game of rugby that was. And a real football cliche game of two halves, isn't it? Like Wales came out from the blocks roaring. I couldn't believe it. Such a fast start. And it's... That cheeky little drop goal early doors. I thought that's that's setting your stall up. We just want to get the scoreboard ticking over straight away, and they were just all over the place. A good mate of mine, I don't know if I mentioned it on the on the pod before, is um, uh, Adrian Wainwright. I played in the back row with him back in the day, you know, years ago, um, and he's Aaron Wainwright's dad. So I was really? just yeah. So I was just tweeting back and forth to Wong was his nickname to Adrian, right? Um, saying bloody hell, mate, Aaron's having a good game, and he was saying yeah, yeah, and and. The, and as he went on, every other word was like, you know, Aaron Wainwright, Aaron Wainwright, Aaron Wainwright, Tipperick, Aaron Wainwright, Navidi, Aaron Wainwright, Tipperick. And just watching that back row in the first half, I've never seen a work rate like that from a Welsh team, certainly. I was just blew me away, you know. And to really, he did a real job in that game, Gatland. He's had his he's had his knockers, you know, over the years. I don't think he's, he's done great things with Wales. Um but that game plan for Australia was absolutely bang on. We know where are your strengths. Hooper was out of the game, mate. He was, he was, he was a done deal. That's why he got so frustrated, you know. And I'm, we'll talk about it. I'm sure in a minute. But the set piece was was weak for Wales lineouts particularly, right? But everyone else around the park, I, it was just such a performance. So Wainwright came up after an hour. Adrian's out there next week for the last two games to go and sit down in Japan to see him. But I said, mate, what what an endeavour by him, you know. And Navidian Tipperick stayed on. Then we bring Moriarty off the bench, who's you know, who's a great player as well, great player to bring off the bench certainly. And um, 
I just thought the the back row and the and, well the whole pack set it up so nicely. Yeah, indeed, backs. and I think um, I, I said this before the game started. I tweeted. I said, hey, "Hands up!" You know, twelve months ago, you would have thought Josh Nuvidi was starting this game at eight. Yeah, no, yeah, and, and and you know, Paul Williams came up and said he did, and I, and I actually believe Paul when he says that, and a couple of others. But generally, nobody was predicting this. Nobody really predicted he could nail down a starting back row position, Josh Nuvidi. To be honest, but the he's just an he's he's a fucking nuisance, isn't he? In, in the best you, way, and I'm not trying to do him down by saying that he's an absolute no, no, muscular and, nuisance, you know. And all the best, all the best back row players. It doesn't matter if it's Michael Jones. It doesn't matter who it is, right? It, going way back, you've got to be a nuisance. And in today's game, especially little things like, and I played back row myself at a much lower level a long time ago. When they brought the law in that if you if you don't get the ball back, and, you know, and it's a mall, you know, mm. then the defender team gets the ball. The strength, the number of times they held the Aussies up in, mm. in strong position and stopped them going to the floor. You could see they wanted a ruck and they just held the ball up. But the strength that takes is phenomenal, right? When you've got, a, you've got a pack of big Aussies who want to go to the floor and you're keeping them on their feet to get the ball back in the scrum. I just thought it was magnificent, mate. I, I, Navidi does literally have Iranian wrestler strength as well, don't forget. Have you seen him in a shirt? He's got like a 32-inch yeah. waist and like a bloody 82-inch shoulders. It's crazy. <laughs> He looks like Predator. He's crazy, honestly. And he's good-looking, bastard. Um, I know. And don't forget about Aaron Wainwright as well. I think we talked about this before, but it's worth mentioning again. He was looking at a professional football career five years ago. I know. And then just and went, got... oh, well, this isn't working. I'll, I'll go and play for Whitehead's RFC, whoever it was. And then within two years, he's playing for the Dragons. and it, It's unbelievable. I mean, talent is what it is, isn't it? But... And he's got a moustache. And I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I've got a lot of respect for a man who won't put product in his hair. Good man. He's got a lot, a lot of hair, and he's obviously not putting product in it. And I've, I've got a lot of respect for that. Headband and moustache, wild hair, you know. Oh, Chipperick as well, though, mate. Just watched, you know, the Quiet Man, the, the the work rate. I don't know what the total tackle count was for the the four boys playing the back row that day, um, but it must have been, you know. And then you got you go in the sort of second row, Alan Wynn. People who knock Alan Wynn are speaking out of their ass. They literally don't know. I don't even fucking engage him in conversation anymore because they don't know what these they're talking about. These people walk among us, Mike. It's hard to believe, oh, but these people walk among absolute us. Absolute dildos talking about Alan Wynn, Joe. He made 23 tackles from second row. 25. 25, sorry. Tipperick made 17. Navidi made 17. Jesus. You know Wainwright, what I mean? Wainwright made 10 in an hour. Yeah. And that's not including the carries and keep the balls up and the turnovers. Yeah, it was fa- it was fabulous to watch. It must be such a such a treat if you're the if you're the halfbacks playing behind that. In broken play, not so much in the scrum, obviously, or, or the lineup, which was a shocker again. But there we go. A lot of weird talk about Wales not deserving to win that game, and I think there's something about if you have a very strong first half and then the other team comes mm. back, the the kind of hanging legacy from the game that people tend to think is that you somehow didn't deserve it, when actually the game is 80 minutes long and it's about what's on the scoreboard at the end, but. I think when you think about like your point, what Wales did in the first half, and then the way they defended was unbelievable. What is wrong, mate? It's a competition. It's a tournament, right? And, and with a lot of big games coming up, so if you're up by three scores at half time, you're not going to go balls out in the second half. All you want to do there is secure a win at that point, right? I th- mm. well, that's that's my thinking behind it. I'm not sure. What, I don't. I don't presume to double guess what Gatlin's thinking. But the fact that Aussies came back at half time, yeah, they did because they were three scores down at half time. And they're Australia. 
People yeah. Are, well, yeah, you haven't got a right to dominate a game for the full 80 minutes against a team exactly. like Australia, even with their some of their issues. And and even when they weren't doing so well in the first half, their carrying was still pretty strong. If anything, well, the, the, only, the only negative I would say, well, there are a negative which was strange to see was that I don't think that um, Hadley Parts and Jonathan Davis played that well in defence. They were bullied a bit, really, which is not like them at all. So if any, which is, you know, this is a group stage, it's good to get that out now and know about that now, isn't it? But that was the only thing I could say. Yeah, that's unusual. I mean, you know, that's that's not a weak point of either of their games, but yeah, no, I'd, I'd, go, I'd go along with that. I tell you, the weird thing was watching um, Australia, a couple of dickheads on, online were on about um, the intercept try, you know, mm. where he was two metres offside. And someone found a beautiful photograph, but I put it on Twitter, just showing, like I zoomed in, that the ball's off the floor, and I, as soon as the ball's off the floor, obviously the, the offside line mm. has disappeared. He's played the ball, and and Davis is is two meters onside at, at that point, right? But it was the speed that he got there because, and it goes back to, um, I'm not going to slag out, I'm not going to slag out scrum halves, some scrum halves, and some who've played for Wales. I've got that long wind up, right? Mm. If you've got a dynamic backline who are still coming up really quickly throughout the game, and you've got a two step wind up before you pass, you're going to be in the shit. And, that's, and that happened. I think they played for the intercept. I think you watch them, the way they played the game, I think they were, they were playing for that intercept. David has a lot of intercepts generally. He, he, yeah. his, he is pretty, his first 20 metres are probably as fast as anybody in the tournament, really. And, um, he's electric, isn't he? He is. But, and, and you're right, Genia basically took two steps before he passed. So it looked like, because yeah. Davis was so close to him by the time the ball left his hands, exactly. people... But f- it's, by the time it's left his hands, yeah, Davis is standing in in inverted commas an offside position, right? But that, but that's not where offside starts. Yeah. It starts when he picks the ball up. And people assume that he passed it directly from the base of the scrum, sort of you know Robert yeah. Jones style, and he hadn't. He picked no. it up and wandered, and had a check of his phone, and then passed it. <laughs> I know, brilliant. Keep doing it. It's probably Gareth Davis's best game for Wales, actually. I thought he was superb. I know that's a bit like saying this is the best vegan restaurant in Wakefield, but it was still nevertheless a good game, I thought. Yeah, I thought he played, yeah. I, I do think it was a weak link. I was looking, you said John and Davis and Hadley Parker were quiet for them. Um, George North, I still wish would finish better than he finishes for a big lad. But, you know, uh, I'm just trying to think now. Australia played pretty well to talk about them. I thought actually they did. They played well, you know. I, well, and and Checker can kick off as much as he wants, but the fact is he picked a fucking outside half who's not played for the best part of twelve months. And when he did play, wasn't that good? He does have a bit of a hoodoo over Wales, Bernard Foley, and, but and, even and, so, and didn't, and didn't put an outside half on the bench. So then it, it, it cuts your options down if they're not playing well. What was nice is when when uh, Bigger went off to bring Patchell on. I thought Patchell was did a great job. You know, uh, were you? Was, were you uh, I was a bit worried. If I was Welsh, I'd have been worried seeing Patchell come on that early. No, I really like Patchell. No, I like him. I'd still be worried, though. From my old club, he is, Reece Patchell. Is he? Yeah, Cardiff I, High School I old mean, boys, yeah. I would almost start Patchell. I, I, I really rate bigger, but I, I'm a big fan of Patchell. Um, we're, we're spoiled there a bit with those two. You know, but... Um, yeah, I think that's this is the, 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 I was trying to talk to people on, on, the, on the weekend about it. Um but letting Australia back in the game, and you, and you touched on it earlier, they're a good side. Yeah. You know, it was, it, we're not playing. We're not playing a bunch of dickheads. You, you're playing Australia. You're playing Australia in the World Cup when they're really up for it, and they know that it's shit or bust. And they would have had the fucking mother of all bollockings at half time oh, after well, that first half. So yeah, of course you would have. You know, they're all playing for they're all playing for places, and they're playing for. So it's not like 
I, what was the most satisfying thing about that win for me was that it was a good team, that we played against a good team playing good rugby, you know, offloading well. They kicked our ass in the scrum. They disrupted loads of our lineouts, um, you know, and we still beat them. So that for me, that was great. I, 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 want, I want Wales to win games against teams playing good rugby. And I think that if the kind of win against Australia last autumn got the monkey off Wales's back, I think this game has kind of chased it down the street and leathered it with a bat until, you know, it sort of thing. It's really... <laughs> I like I, that. Generally, I think it has just... It's, it's... I said when Australia played Fiji and won com- relatively comfortably in the end, I said to Josh on here, I said, there's no... If I was Welsh, I wouldn't be worried about either of these teams in a way in which you have been before because they just mm. don't look... I mean, Australia were better on second for probably 50 minutes... 45 minutes or something than they, were, than they were against Fiji. But even so, and I think it says, leaving them aside, it says more about whether I think Wales should be frightened of anybody. I hope not, mate. And this is... I mean, you know, you're you, gonna, know. you shouldn't expect to beat New Zealand or anything like that, but you shouldn't be frightened of it either. And you, you, there shouldn't well, be... The mystique that surrounds New Zealand as well, right? This, this is the thing. Uh, and it seems to be in the Welsh. Well, up to this point, it seemed to be in the Wel- the Welsh boys' heads for a long, long time that you just don't beat New Zealand. As simple as that, you know. Well, not since nineteen fifty three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I count the nineteen seventy game when they fucking cheated in the line. That was a win for Wales. But um, obviously, <laughs> it's, it's not not. You drifted into Australian territory. They were almost claiming a moral victory because they didn't kick oh, any drop goals on Sundays. Seventy was it seventy four when they they absolutely stole it from us. Anyway, but that besides the point. The the point is. There's, there's always been that sort of mental edge that New Zealand have got. And, and we're almost apologetic. Like when, when Wales went to the top of the world rankings, 95% of Welsh people who were talking about that online were going, I know we don't deserve it, but it is nice. I know we don't deserve it, but it's, oh, no, we shouldn't be here, obviously. Obviously, we shouldn't be on top. But I think it's, fuck you, right? We're on top for a reason, right? We're on top for a reason. Uh, but it, it goes against the Welsh, mm. the Welsh way to think you ever deserve any sort of success. So I think there's a thing, and for the first time, not for the first time, but one of the one of the first times on Saturday, when they were within a score at the end of the game. Now, in the past, we would have done something wrong there, dropped the bollock and lost the game by a, mm. in, the, in the 85th minute or something daft, right? Especially seeing as Beal had come on. That was like prime yeah. for Beal to do something, to piss, piss all yeah. over your chips, yeah. And, and God knows that happens to us an awful lot and has done, right? But I, I'm not going to say I wasn't nervous or biting my nails, I was, but... but I thought we got this. I, I, even right the way through that last 10 minutes, I thought, I thought we'll have this now. We, we've got the, the, the mental strength to do the things we need to do and not make the mistakes. And, it's, and I think if they can go in against New Zealand, it's a, it's a, there's a long way to go before we get to that stage. I'm not, I'm not writing anybody off, right? But if, if by the grace of God, right, and all things good, we get to a final against New Zealand, I would like to think this Welsh team are not going to go in there thinking, we'll give a good account of ourselves. You know, I remember I remember fucking robbed the dickhead Howley once when he was caretaker manager. We'll talk about Howley, I'm sure, at some point. But saying when he took over, I think they were playing England. I can't, I can't remember the, the game. And he said, uh, well, you know, uh, the thing is, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not over until the fat lady sings. And, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go down. We're going to go down fighting before they kicked off. <laughs> I thought, what the fuck are you doing? Don't, just don't go down. Don't worry about going down fighting. Just don't go down, Rob. Right? And I think now you can see a little bit of steel in the boys' eyes. Like, we deserve this. Not cockiness, but just a just a self-assuredness, which is nice. 
Rob Howley always has a face of a man whose brakes have failed on his car and it's rolling slowly towards a cliff edge and he doesn't know what to do about it. He just has this incredibly sort of vacant, slightly... Have sort a of... bet on it. <laughs> <laughs> have a bet on that. How much spread you're going to give with me wheels getting lodged, yeah. Oh, my God. What an absolute clown. You really? mentioned Hooper before. Well, yeah. He, should, he probably should have been yellow carded twice. That hit, that late hit with his shoulder was a yellow card. Forget the fucking... Watch his eyes, mate. Watch his eyes when he makes that hit. He yeah. knows exactly what he's doing and where the referee is, right? That's not an accident. Yeah, and, and forget the high tackle protocol. Go back a decade and you're yellow carded for that. That's yeah. just a late shithouse move, basically, yeah. and you're yellow carded for it. And then, of course, in the lead up to, in the lead up to their try... It was it he did he is it Tipperick he took out and leaped that try. Yeah. So do you know what I mean? So and also, I and mean, it's a swings and roundabouts thing, isn't it? I don't think there are any I mean the Karevi one, right? The Karevi you you were a lad who probably played with his elbow leading, were you? I used to put a shin pad in my forearm guard. <laughs> so obviously you know all about that. Yeah, there's no way he didn't mean to hit him where I think it? it was a finely balanced decision, don't get me wrong. It was a finely balanced decision. However, how you can say that it's definitely not a penalty never, I don't I don't know how that can Oh, it's hundred percent a penalty. I, I, you could say yes or no about the yellow. I think I think Pocock's yellow was was a more obvious yellow than Karevi's yeah, so I didn't yellow, mean yellow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, I think Pocock should definitely got a yellow. Karevi, I like the fact that they shook hands immediately afterwards, sort of thing. And he, he wasn't trying to mm. could have made a meal out of that and didn't. You know, yeah, he, he ran with his elbow up, his forearm up, hit him. They keep saying he hit him in the chest. It was the sort of, it was the sort of Adam's apple part of the chest. To be fair, wasn't it? It was, it was the, it was the soft part of the chest, just above the collarbone. But I mean, it was, it was just definitely a penalty. And if you'd have got a yellow, you could have agreed with it. Yeah, so I've got. I wasn't calling for a yellow there. That wasn't my idea. It was asking whether it was a penalty or not. I think it, I it was think definitely it was. a penalty. I could, then I again, I could see. You see, sometimes in some tackles, they don't get given either. And there's a question mark about consistency. I understand that, but generally, I think Poit was weak. Both sides of the ball, I thought. <laughs> I, I, when he was he's... reviewing that 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 Karevi thing, he, yeah, you could basically almost in his mind he was thinking, "Oh fucking somebody, please make this fucking stop! Somebody oh. please make this stop!" Cross, because then he just went, I, "I'm just going to give a penalty." He almost didn't even bother talking through his thought process yeah. in the end. He's just like, he's like, I'm just going to give a penalty. Please make this stop. Yeah, but also you said about yellow cards. Um, I couldn't believe Pocock. If, if he'd have got, if he'd have tried that shit on with Clive Norlin. Back in the day, mate, you'd have been having an early bath. The way he talked to Poit, you know, yeah. it was clever. It, 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 Hooper, sorry, not Pope yeah, Cock. Yeah. I mean, he's the captain. He does get a chance to speak to him, but there's yeah. a way in which you speak, isn't there? You can say, sir, and you can ask a question. You have, you have, you can't go in there talking about other people's tackle techniques and bits and bobs and double-guessing everything all the time. It was clever because I think what he did, you know, it was really good kidology from him to say that, you know, something like when he got done, something that is probably a yellow card. In my mind, it is a yellow card. And then you get a penalty, but not the yellow card, to go in there and say, penalty for that? Are you mad? There's nothing wrong with it. Not not, not, not thanks, ref, for not standing, put me in the sin bin. Are you mad? A penalty for that? Yeah. So then in, in the breast brain next time, I was thinking, oh, shit, maybe there wasn't a, maybe there was a bit harsh on him. Mm. You know, not the opposite, which would have been, if he'd gone there saying, oh, cheers, ref, thanks for, you know, seeing it my way. He didn't do that. Speaking of yellow cards, I was very surprised that at least one Wales player wasn't put into the bin for persistent sort of infringing in that 20-minute period when Australia were camped on the line. That was very... very... So we I suppose he there. wasn't giving yellow cards to anybody, was he? So... That's what I said. I said he was weak both sides of the ball. It yeah. wasn't It wasn't like a one-eyed, 
I am a one-eyed Welsh fan, but you know, with, with my other eye open, yeah, I mean, we were lucky as well. I just think, I think, just think he's shit out. I, I put it on, I put it on Twitter. I think, he, I think, well, that's just shit out making decisions. Hmm. And he's looking always for the touch judge and the TMO to get involved because he doesn't want to, you know, they should be there to back him up or to help him make a decision. But he's got to make a decision and have the board to make the right decision as well. So unless something goes incredibly horribly wrong, it's probably going yeah. to be England, Australia in the quarters now and Wales, France. Oh, dare I dream. <laughs> dare I dream. Unless, I mean, England's still got to play Argentina because... and France so something could go terribly wrong, but... Um... Well, way, I think England look pretty damn solid, so they do look solid. Um, I think they'll beat Argentina more comfortably than we think they will. Uh, I think they might come a second against Australia because if Australia play the way Australia can play, I think it suits it, it'll suit them more that game against England than it suits England. Mm. I'm hoping, I'm hoping as a, as a you know. But- Still a couple of rounds of games to go before we get to that, but that's oh, looking. Can't write that, that off. That's looking what it's. That's looking what it's like. Mate, what Wales would do now, if this had been the eighties or the nineties, we would now lose by forty points to Fiji next game. <laughs> you try and go full Harlem Globetrotter shit we, on Fiji we lose, and lose. We, like when we lost to Canada, I was like, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Like, was it eighty-seven? I go wherever it was, ninety-one or something. Your old stomping ground, Canada, play New Zealand tomorrow as we record. That's gonna be an absolute cricket score. That is, mate. That's an insurance job. Yeah. They'll be lucky if that's not 100 points. I had, to cover, sh- I had to cover South Africa Namibia on Saturday after the Ireland game, which we'll talk about in a minute. And it was for the Guardian, and it was, oh, fuck me, it was miserable. Oh, yeah. It was like, they, I mean, you knew what was going to happen. And fair play to Namibia, they got stuck in. But honest they to God, it was, and, and even South Africa couldn't be asked. It was just a minging, yeah. minging 80 minutes. It really was. Shall we I talk- say about, about, briefly about Canada, my mate Griff is over there. Working with Kingsley, he's doing the sort of attack coaching job. So I was in, I was play with Griff and his sons in my son's school in the same class. So we hang out quite a bit, and he's been over there for ages with the Canadian team. And he'll be, he'll be pissed off. That Canada game, if you look at the game, and I watched it quite closely because of him, they created a lot of opportunities. It was mm-hmm. the last pass on three or four occasions. They should have scored three or four tries in that game that, that went begging. Um, they'll still get their absolute arse down this one by New Zealand, though. But I mean, yeah, now we can do about that. Last pass no, or no, no last pass? Oh Christ! I honestly think it might be the first World Cup 100 pointer. It's coming at some point. Somebody's getting a three-figure score at some point. So, yeah, New Zealand playing Namibia next. After that, I think. So that's speaking of three figures. Exactly. Yeah. Shit. This year, leaving certificate students have new choices via the CAO. Whether you're going straight into the world of work or exploring routes to third level, further education and training and apprenticeships offer you flexible, hands-on learning opportunities. The future is full of possibilities. Whatever your ambition, further education and training and apprenticeships can help take you there. Your future is what you make it. Learn more at cao.ie forward slash options. This is an initiative of the Government of Ireland. ACAST recommends... Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together 
and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Right, speaking of, well, not speaking of upsets or whatever, Japan versus Ireland on Saturday morning. I tell you what, mate, that was not a, that wasn't a surprise to me. I um, the way that Japan are playing, I went, I I worked at the stadium at their under twenties game. I think I don't know if I mentioned it. You did, yeah, you're on a. Do you remember me saying how fast their line speed was in defence? Mm. And I, and I, even at the end of a game, they were coming up like a train. It was unbelievable. Well, the senior team were doing the same thing, mate. I I watched that game, and I thought. They they deserved to win. That wasn't a fluke, mate. They deserved to win that game against Ireland. And I think testament as well. Don't forget they were twelve three down at one point. Yeah. And they didn't you know they didn't push the fuck it panic button kept or anything. It, and they didn't cool. change the way they played. They just kept nope. going through what they do. And they they probably had after they went twelve three down they had probably about half an hour with the ball and it was amazing. And they didn't think oh shit we're not getting points oh shit oh yeah. shit they just kept going through it. I'm watching it and a mate of mine texted me and I kind of agreed with him it was a really good point so I won't claim this as my own but I, I am going to make it here. Yeah. He said Japan, when they attack, they attack like an NRL rugby league team. In what way? In that they, the ball comes out incredibly quickly, almost like you stand up and playing it with your foot. They don't commit many people in there. And yeah. they also, they, they kind of reject the whole adage of go left three times, keep going right. left, keep going left, then go. They kind of go, let they, they do the, the rugby league term of scooting from, from dummy half, where you basically pick the ball and go quick. Yeah, they do that a lot. They go left, right, left, left, right, left, right, and the scrum half like really on top of it the whole time, and it almost looks like watching a rugby league team, but with unlimited tackles. And in that That's humidity, in that humidity, they're kind of moving people around left and right the whole time, and they were the best team. And a lot of people say, "Oh, it's like brightness." So it's not like brightness actually, because one, they were the best team for eighty percent of that game. Japan, this yeah, wasn't definitely. the kind of smash and grab thing. They they literally played their way into that game. And won it. Couple of scores early on, but after that, and I was worried the... early on. I thought, shit, you know, when those scores from Ireland came early, I thought because it would have pulverised them a bit here physically. You know, and... If that had been a fifty-pointer, and then Japan are out of the World Cup, you know, and embarrassed out of it as well. Yeah. Not great for the tournament, but that'd be that's that's by the by. But I mean, I thought their fitness levels, mate, and, and their, you know, you you talked about. Um, to play that sort of style of play, that you're talking about pick and go, pick and go, pick and go, pick and go, quick run, quick run, quick run. There's no, there's no breather in that. No. You know, you're not, you're not doing your rolling balls. You're not, you're not doing your, you know, two pairs of hands, set up another ruck. Two pairs of hands, set up another ruck. You know, to play that quick ball like that, in attack, and then to be up that quick in defence for 80 minutes. They, I, I love to see what their fitness levels are like. And it's the skills they can execute at that pace, even quite deep into the game as well. Your point when you watched under twenty, you said it was similar. You know, skills has been able to do a technique under pressure, isn't it? But when you so when you're knackered and they're doing it at that speed as well, and they still manage to do it. In a way, I said this after the first half, after they played England last autumn. In the first half, they just kept the ball. England won in the end, but they just kept the ball. And I remember looking at it and thinking, why can they do it and no other fucker manages to do it? I mean, I know you know New Zealand do it to a point and stuff, but. What do they do? Do they do they do they spend significant amounts of time more with ball in hand in training? I don't think they can. It's just a really strange thing. I don't know why it happens that way. I, said, I mean, I, I love rugby. Is my favourite sport. Right? I love rugby, um, but I think it's it's 
and it's often said, but it, it is such a simple game. You watch football, and and this is not meant to disparage in any way, right? But you can be a, an excellent rugby team and not have flash players, right? Yeah. All you've got to be able to do is is play the basics really well. And New Zealand done it for years, and that's what Japan do. Yeah. All right, they, they they haven't got any sort of dynamic. You, you couldn't name a superb playmaker. They have they haven't got a, a Jason Robinson or, or a, you know they haven't got that sort of player. But they just do the simple stuff well. They pass well, both both hands. They receive the ball well. They ruck the ball well. They keep the ball alive well. They tackle well. Their line speed's good. You know their shape's good in defence. All the, all the things you can do as a team, they do it, and they they must just practice that and practice that and practice that. They've got a bit of magic with uh, Matsushima, the winger. He looks he looks pretty handy. Oh, he's a good finisher. Yeah, and, F- and Fukuoka when he comes on the fullback, he's pretty good. But it's uh, but yeah, it's see, I know what you're saying, and actually. So and I think the thing is, since Brighton, don't forget, they've had a super rugby team, which has had questionable success, but they've had a super yeah. rugby team. They've had four more years of development. And Uruguay is showing what four more years of development with a bit of, with a bit of investment can do as well. Yeah. Ironically, Namibia is showing what 10 years of investment can produce, <laughs> as in fuck all, basically. But that's, so it doesn't always work. But Thinking it does just show coach. you, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who got the job at three days' notice four years ago, bless Oh, bugger. I know. Um I know, yeah, Michael Leach was incredible when he came on. He's a handful. Talking about back rows who are a nuisance and a handful. Jesus yeah. Christ, he's a monster, that lad, isn't he? I don't know. The Japanese... They'll do, they'll do well, mate. They'll do well. Japan. Well, I joked beforehand that at least Japan won't have the, you know, the, the ignominy of being the first host nation to not get out of their group stage after England so magnificently <laughs> did it. But actually, it could be. It's now looking that potentially... We could yeah. be in a situation where uh, that is still the case, but um, Ireland Carberry kicked the ball off late, didn't he? And everyone's going, "What the fuck's he doing?" But actually, it meant that he could. They've got a losing bonus point, which could be a really big deal. Well, yeah, I I was one of the ones who, who thought, "What the fuck are you doing?" And then I read about that, and it made a good point that you know you're a hundred meters away, yeah, and you haven't been keeping the ball particularly well in the, in the, in the contact situations and one turnover and you've knackered it. So let's or one keep referee the, uh... decision that doesn't go your way or whatever exactly. it might be, yeah. So I think maybe, I thought, I thought first of all you had a brain fart, but I think he actually planned it, I'm thinking about it now. Yeah, I think he's come out and said that he has did. Has he but, said? Yeah. He said that, has he? Okay. Yeah, I mean, you know, you might say, well, he, of course he's bound to say that, isn't he? But, uh... yeah. But yeah, they were, they were... They were excellent. Uh, oh well, I think that bonus point in that group, mate, is going to be is going to be crucial. So well, you could be in a situation where you've got a load of teams of what who've lost one game potentially, yeah. and then it becomes very very interesting. Because don't forget, last time I think um, South Africa only lost one. Uh, sorry, Japan had that wonderful South Africa win, only lost one game, and then still didn't go through. So it can yeah. all. So it's going to be pretty interesting. Their hooker's really good. Shota Horia, he was very very good. What's going on the lineouts, mate? Well, just oh, we generally, stop, we stop, yeah, we stopped calling like not straight now completely. This World Cup seems to be worse than ever. There are a number of rules. We said this the other week, actually, and I, I tweeted this the other day that rugby fans just need to become in, get into some like Zen place, otherwise, they're going to drive yourselves mad because something to start being refereed anymore. The feed of the scrum went years ago, yeah, the squint throw at the line out is going that's quite lately, but it's definitely well, it- happening. They haven't stood behind the line to throw it in for about 20 years, right? Um, <laughs> but now they just seem to be throwing it straight to their side. It never gets called. Then the other, I was watching a game, I can't remember the game, uh, two, a couple of days ago, and then he called them like, for not enough, uh, for not being straight, but not, not, not the throw, for like dog-legging in the, in the, in the line-up. 
I thought, mate, you can't pick up a one lot. Look at this lineup. The, the hooker's standing in the field. He's not just on the line, right? He's thrown it straight to the second row, and you want to call him on, like, not standing in the lineup in a straight line. The referee called Namibia for feeding the scrum on Saturday. Oh, what a I was like, honest for fuck's sake, this has not been refereed for years, and this game of all games and this team is when you start giving a shit. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Good yeah. thing they don't referee is, is forward passes in with short midfield pops, sort of ten to twelve channel type passes go forward. Nobody cares about them anymore. And generally, the offside tackle line is not really refereed unless you're actually on your line. That's awful, mate. And going back to the Australia game, what they did very well, the Aussies, right? Um, what well, it didn't get refereed at all. A couple of things. One was off the feet of the ruck all the time, right? Oh, the, I mean the ruck. Let's not even get started on the ruck because it is just unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah. they talk about injury prevention. Well, having blokes torpedo in there at knee level into the back of someone's neck is not the best way to Which avoid. Which is quite a speciality act at as well. It yeah, must be said. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, you know, there's no there's no one that's innocent of it. But I mean. The rucks just don't get refereed at all. And I was watching the Aussie game, obviously. The number of times um, the crossing didn't get called on, on four or five occasions. There was blatant crossing. Hmm. You know, I can see dummy runners, but dummy runners shouldn't really take out defenders, right? And it, well, those, a couple second, of cases, those, those two wave attacks now that basically everybody runs, you could argue that they're getting very close to crossing. But I think it's because yeah. they know, like you said, that, that rule is just kind of... Refs are almost like saying, well, it's hard enough to score now, so let's, which it is, to be fair. But the other one they were doing on the, on, against, against Wales on Saturday was going past the ruck and taking out defenders behind the ruck. So when that mm. one long run that the, the Aussie boy went about 50, 60 metres down the, down the right touchline, I can't remember that. Oh, Carevery or Hale at Petty. Yeah, which one was it? Okay, anyway, anyway. Petty, one of them, can't remember which if, one. Yeah. If, you, if you watch that again, the I couldn't see the number. One of the Aussie boys comes straight past the ruck, doesn't even engage with it, and literally tackles um, Ken Owens, and Ken was the defender, and then they just attack the space behind the ruck. Mm. So because they, because there was nobody there, because they've they've gone past the ruck, taken the defenders out, and then they're, they're they're gone. So I think the refereeing in general has been poor, but I just think players want a bit of consistency. Just say okay, well if we're gonna if you're gonna play this elite, you know, change the laws of the game, and referee it that way. Don't don't have a law one way because I think. I think a lot of the Northern Hemisphere teams, and this is probably a bit of bias on my part, uh, making the, the fool's mistake of trying to play the laws of rugby, right? And the Southern Hemisphere teams are not really playing the laws of rugby. I don't, I don't yeah, I think that is probably slightly biased. But, uh, but... It's a bit biased. I think the, the lineups and rucks are equally poorly uh, uh, played and refereed. But I think, especially with the, the lazy runners, and especially with. Um, clearing out past the ruck. I think that the Aussies and the, and the Kiwis do that regularly and it doesn't get picked up. Hmm. However, I mean, the thing is, there's a lot of, when you're on Twitter, there's a hell of a lot of discourse, and I've done it, you say things about, bloody hell, what happened there sort of thing. There is a lot of discourse about refs and I think you've got to look at it. It's been a very good tournament. The rugby's been good. There's frustrating parts in it. Yeah. It's been good. I think there is a, there's a, there's a very long debate to be had about the ruck and there's a very long debate to be had, uh, and Josh mentioned this last week, about how fundamentally rugby is refereed, as in the number of refs, what they're asked to look at. There is probably, I think there needs to be a discussion about that. Do you just have one official whose job it is to look at the rook? Well, you and know, you have one official whose job it is to look at the offside line? I don't know. Well, the, well, I mean, my other sport that I love, you, you know this, is the NFL, right? Yeah, we spoke about this last week. Yeah, they have three, well, they have, don't they? Well, they have seven officials on yeah. the field, 
and the instant replays. You got you got eight officials. Yeah, and that's eleven a side game. You know the stop and start. So when yeah. it's continuous, right? I think they at least need to bring in, uh, like Aussie rugby league style, um, two referees. So, so the like defensive referee, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so d- defensive referee is, is basically watching the offside line at the breakdown. You know, and and, and is and is given the offside line at the breakdown if you want to, right? And then the and then the the attacking referee is, is watching. You, you can give them different roles, but they have specific roles to watch because it's impossible for you know, for the referee to watch everything going on, the speed, the speed the game's played now and the way the game's played now. I remember when I started playing rugby, you know, the first thing we were taught playing rugby was how to take a ball into a mall. You know, go in, turn around, <laughs> present the ball, yeah. the next two players bind. Bind over, over yeah, yeah. Arm around third your armpit, person, yeah, yeah. Third person goes in, secures the... Fifth person in, secure the... Why do that now? They'd lift you, know, you off the floor and drive you back 15 metres <laughs> while you're waving the bloke to come in. Yeah. Like seven people stood still in a mall... <laughs> Right, it just doesn't happen now, does it? So quick. Look how quick that game was in the weekend. So I think the refs need, yeah, we give them a hard time. But um, I know they're linked up to the touch judges with with buzzers and microphones and stuff. But there needs to be more of a presence on the field. I think. I think the refs would say yes to that as well. well. It just becomes impossible. It's not. It's not. It's actually no criticism of them because there's a point at which the human brain. Don't they say the research says that the human brain can deal with five to seven things generally. You can process five to seven things at once. Most people can. You think about what they have to think about. It's definitely more than five to seven things to do it well. So it's just, you're asking them to do a job. I mean, they know they've got assistance, like you said, but we're asking them to do a job that's just not possible anymore, especially when, when as we know, every every one of those 30 fuckers on the field is trying to take the piss out of you. Of course they you know, are. are they? You know, so, so, you know, let's give them a break, really. So I think, actually, I've made a point of trying not to moan about rest too much in this tournament because the rugby's bloody good. So actually, rugby, if, it, if it was the compromising the rugby, I would. I, that's when it's time to start getting pissed off. I think. But actually, yeah. Well, I think we're seeing tries like we haven't. There was a, a period of time, you know, a couple of years ago when tries were like bloody rocking our shit, mm. and and now you're seeing good tries scored by wingers in the corner. You know, seeing nice finishing. I'm loving. You know, it's really coming to the game the last few years. I'm loving the kicks to the corner. I think that 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 aerial battle there mm. is flipping awesome to watch. Um, It'd be interesting. We'll see what the law changes do when they bring some of the law changes in for next year. Um, but yeah, I definitely think certainly at that level. I mean, I went, I went to see Barry play a couple of home games this year. Don't need the extra ref there, to be honest. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, at that level, you think you need the extra ref on the field, definitely. Is it the Barry the Barry pitch? Is, is it, there's a horrible left to right slope on the Barry Bridge, isn't there? Depending on which well, way you're going, there's a side, there's left to right slope. And I remember trying to get to Rooks going the wrong way on the field in the second half was you, spectacularly yeah. hard work. You're doing Barry a disservice there, Lee. There's a left to right slope and a top to bottom slope. So <laughs> it's the only pitch I've played. You can play uphill both halves. You, you know, I, so, uh, I can't remember told you this before, but I played at Barry for the twos. After 9-11, the week after 9-11 had happened. And we, we had to, we were supposed to face West and have a minute of silence at Barry. Yeah, and nobody, <laughs> the funny thing was, I was going, which, which way is West? And we were all going, <laughs> well, it must be over the sea. Yeah, but that might be North. And I was like, oh my God. I know. They're, they're confusing the West with West and Superman. <laughs> yeah, it was just, and it was like, look, can we just have a fucking minute of silence? Because this is actually becoming quite ridiculous now. Bless them. Yeah, so um, yeah, at that level you don't need it, you know. No, but they're playing Division One this year. Barry got to be promoted to Division One East. It's a sign of the times, but I think I think because I think Neath a Division One West, 
Mm. And Barry, Barry are Division 1 East. So Barry are now playing the same division of rugby as Neath. There's a sign of the times. Yeah, there's a few pretty big names going to the wall there, isn't there? Crazy. Anyway, right, then moving on to Scotland-Samoa. Let's talk about the other games this week. I believe the main ones are going to be talking about. Scotland-Samoa. I told you Scottish listeners not to panic, didn't I? Honestly, what a God, difference. What a, they were night and day, mate. I can't believe it's the same team. <laughs> I said on Twitter, I cannot believe this is the same Scotland team that played last week. Well, it's not exactly... The, the interesting thing was, it wasn't exactly the same team. And I think that's what... But, when we get into shit good, that's what we'll, uh, that's what we'll get into. Hamish Watson's been injured, of course. Um, John Barkley didn't play either. New back row looked a lot better. Not many people nil Samoa, you know. No, I mean, exactly. this Samoa does just look like some kind of weird Pacific Island, like, killing squad. Well, they look like they've never played together. This is the weird thing. They look, they look like they're, like, 15 blokes who've just... They look like they've played MMA together. <laughs> I don't know what they're doing. But, I mean, I was chuffed for the Scots. I was chuffed for the Scots. I know there's, there's mates. I had a friend of mine down from Scotland on the week, uh, last weekend. My mate Bill came down, and he's his bunch of his mates gone up to Scotland to see the the first game. I thought, fuck, that's a long way to go to see that game. <laughs> I just hope they stuck around there for the second game. But I think I think penalty try is now the joint joint top try scorer of Scotland now. Somebody said today. P try. But they de- they desperately um, they needed that really. Because I do genuinely think there were some people out there who thought they weren't going to win this game, which I think was always a nonsense, quite honestly. But but it doesn't take much, I think, with with Scotland's history and with the worry to. I mean, never forget they've always they've always got to the quarters. So Scottish rugby needed that, mate. They've been in the you know they're always on a knife edge, Scotland. Uh, well, certainly in the last sort of twenty years that I, that I can remember <laughs> of 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 participation and where it stands in Scotland as a sport and everything else. And I think if they'd have got their asses kicked. By Samoa, and not got out of the group, that would have been a bad time for Scottish rugby. Yeah, and it was also pretty dominant as well. So I think you can take a lot of a. Uh... I thought they were really good, good, and again, like you said earlier, looking great to watch. If you're not Samoa, it was it was a, it was an exciting game to watch. Um, just a, an example of Magnus Bradbury played and was and, gave, and did the most carries across the game line in that game. Um, and just to show that he literally arrived last week, there's not even an official photo of him on the Rugby World Cup. Website Brilliant. yet? They're probably gonna to have to like Photoshop him in from his Edinburgh. You know those ones in the old something. days. You got you, you got to cut a photograph out and stick it on the team photograph at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah. So let's do we move on to shit good because we we need to bring this to a close this week because we're right. up against the time. Uh, we've got someone from Twitter here. Shit, Elaine Jones gets in touch. She said shit was being drunk and hungover in the same day after drinking five pints of Wrexham Lager pre one p.m at the London Welsh Centre to try and calm my nerves during Wales-Australia. He said, spoiler, it didn't work. I nearly threw up with nerves, though maybe that was the lager. I'd, I'd, I'd to heard... be fair, good is the same thing. <laughs> that is good as well, she's, yes. She's yeah. covered up both there. And the fact you were drinking Wrexham lager and fucking representing for Wrexham oh, down there in yeah. London alone. 10-4. I, it's, I mean, they stopped making it for years. It's It came back quite recently, Wrexham Mark. I think it's gone from I think being... I think, I think it's the old stuff. They just found a few barrels. Yeah, the blue can with a castle on it. Uh, 3.2% it used to be. I'm sure it must be stronger than that now, Wrexham Lager. Fair play to her. Sally, Sally Claire Davis email, uh, DMs as well. Not DMs, she tweeted as well at Blood and Mud. And she said, she said, with a look in Hooper's eyes when he makes the decision to hit bigger late, his beady oh. eyes lock and narrow the prick. What? What did I tell you? I said the same thing earlier, didn't I? Right at the top of the podcast. Two women writing in straight away. They must have known you were coming on, Mike. No, then I made a wood. 
<laughs> uh, Colin Hotchkiss gets it up. He says, shit is the utter moan fest from all sides. Aussie shit housery, shite Welsh tackling technique, poor referee decisions, blah, blah. Just enjoy some amazing games because the World Cup will soon be over. You're right, Colin. I think we said something similar before. I'm loving it, you know, especially this This is when being self-employed, I think I tweeted about it, this is when self-employed is an absolute Yeah, the ashes dream. and then this, yeah. Oh, mate, I know, tax returns and all the other bullshit can wait. I sat there in a pub. And like fucking, the fact you're a month away from bankruptcy at all times. Never yeah, mind I, don't, that. I don't care. 9.35, having a pint and a breaking sandwich watching the rugby in the morning. <laughs> like, fucking come on. Forgetting that I've got kids, what more do you want? Oh, that's fine. Ryan White gets into it, said shit was Samoa's discipline, gave away two penalty tries, could have been three of the ref had noticed the foot impeding Reed's effort, and two games in, they've already had three players banned. It's pretty rough, isn't it? But then again, yeah. it all you know, you have to keep asking, you know that whole ask why five times and you get to the root of it. Well, why are they playing like this? Well, because they don't have any time together. Well, why not? Because no fucker wants to play him. Well, why not? Because nobody likes to give him any assistance in funding and No money, mate. Yeah, you know, you, know? You, you get to the root of it. It's always the same, isn't it? So actually, as much as... And I said that, that doesn't mean they should go and kick the shit, but they get frustrated because they're just not as well prepared as everybody else. I know that feeling, mate. <laughs> That's, that, 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 that is what happens. That was like you at the uh, Queen's Theatre in Swansea a few years ago, a few weeks back. Um, <laughs> Anthony Day gets in touch. He said, shit is Ireland for preparing for an entirely different game and getting compre- comprehensively outplayed, losing the plot, and ended up having our arses handed to us on a plate. It's a good point there, actually. I mean, what did they think Japan were going to do if not that? And was it... I mean, we haven't mentioned the conditions. I do think that plays a part in it. But then again, it's not like people didn't know that was coming either. And they're all pretty fit lads, aren't they? So, Yeah. Well, if you're saying... If they're playing that pick-and-go game, that sort of rugby league game, you you have to defend that game, don't you? Yes. And yeah. then know how to somehow prevent don't, it. Don't yeah. give them those channels. You, you you try to make them play the ball white. I don't know how you do it, but, you, you know... Blitz you a bit narrower, def- maybe. You can press your defence and yeah. make them try and play or what? Yeah. Yeah, interesting. And also, that thing about Checker, about the offside, you know, I mean, Gareth Davis does that a lot. And I read in an interview recently that Checker was being interviewed and he said he hadn't watched the Six Nations. It's like, well, what the fuck are you doing? Then he's a twat, isn't you he? massive moon-headed cunt. Yeah, <laughs> you miserable fucking... No, anyway. Julio oh. gets in touch. Julio Lachat and says, shit, and this is fucking brilliant, by the way. And this could also be good, picking up on your point. Come he on. says... Um, shit, is France Rugby announcing on Twitter that Iuni Atonio, their 22-stone prop, will replace the injured Denver Bamba in the French squad before realising that Atonio is actually also gravely injured at the minute and deleting their tweet 10 minutes later to announce that Gomez Sarr is going to replace him instead. God. Never fucking change, lads. Honestly. Well done, the FFR. Never keep, keep change. You, I've seen, I've seen, like, I, told, I think I mentioned ages ago, I remember being at the uh, Copthorne Hotel in a place called Wenbo, which you all know, mm. outside Cardiff. And there's a hotel there which the teams used to stay at before the game, the, the away teams. And I remember going there on a Friday after I finished work in Tesco. And that was like the Philippe Cellar era uh, French team. And we're all just, this is a Friday, they're playing Saturday, just twatted on brandy, smoking, <laughs> chain smoking cigarettes. I thought, fucking great, come on. Have you ever seen a more suave and sort of dynamic man as Philippe Salah also be so unbelievably hard? Oh. I mean, in that kind of like Venn diagram of like incredible ability in unbelievable hardness, he's he's right in the middle of all that. I have my Jean-Pierre Reeve. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what else we got here? 
David Slade gets in touch. He said, shit, is Karevi's the game's gone soft? I might as well go and play rugby league bollocks. On the oh, same, all that bullshit. On the same yeah. day, lest we forget, you're right, David, on the same day, legal proceedings are beginning in France after that teenage lad got killed in a, in a youth game. So, okay. yeah, off you go then, as David because says. We said, it, it, I don't think there's malice in it, but, you know, you've got to adapt, just have to adapt... To adapt and it doesn't matter play. if there is or not. It's about understanding the consequences potentially, isn't it? And no, I've, anyway, we've done this to death before. But yeah, you know, it's either what is it? If you don't it's like, like fucking, I, I don't want to steal anyone's thunder. Is anyone going to mention Clive Woodward on there? Uh, at some point, but not probably about what you're going to say. So go on. Because when he came out and said, "Well, you know, what's he supposed to do? He's against a much bigger man." <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, that's all right. Then take a fucking axe to his head in that yeah. case. I mean, what's How he supposed, supposed to, do? to, be, to tackle these powerful men if you can't use a bat? He's bigger than. And then he was like, he was like I'd, like, I'd like to see the, um, you know, the, the international rugby board members make that tackle. Well, they're seventy-five-year-old blokes, Clive. You know, that's not how it works. No, that's the way forward. I think we should go with this. All disciplinary hearings, the administrator lad should have to do a massive like. Get him on there. <laughs> yeah. Of course, he claps the scrum. He's eighty-five years of age. <laughs> he was driving in straight because you dislodged his spine. That's why. Um, uh, kicked him in his colostomy bag. Of course, yeah. that happened. Uh, Jamie Sorry, Phillips gets in touch. He said, "Shit is the tournament organisers for playing a Russian song after George's victory oh, over did you Uruguay." See that? <laughs> That's a little bit awkward. Oh <laughs> man, and it's not like the old days of the Soviet Union where you could get away with it. Maybe the war. <laughs> I mean, they've been at war recently. And they're literally well. at war over South Ossetia. Yeah, you know, it's so that was an absolute pearl, wasn't it? Alex Rhys-Jones says, shit, Michael Checker set in the worst of examples to a global audience of how to react to a loss. It's fair enough if you're, if you're disappointed, but part of the job is to face it to the media afterwards and he well and truly shit the bed. Absolute cock of a man. The, the only person I've seen behave worse was Mike Brown in 2015. And I've got yeah. some sympathy with Mike Brown because... At he's least Mike Brown was a player. And, and he's not the up. captain. And he's probably no. never sought to be it either. And he was... Yeah. I don't know why he was even sent out with... Uh, so he stood there just fucking fuming and obviously just can't bring... Actually, to be fair to Matt Brown, he didn't really... He just, he just like, well, what did you expect me to say? I quite like Mike Brown for that interview, to be honest. I do, yeah. That's how we all but yeah, feel. But Checker was the twat. Yeah, an absolute arsehole. A massive, giant man baby. Um, yeah. Moving on to good then. Ross Galloway gets in touch and he says, good for me was when Eddie Jones appeared on the screen in the Australia versus Wales game and both sets of fans booed him. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, said, a world in union, says Ross. Yeah, that, that was. I, I was watching that clip with Ben at the, at the pub, my boy, and uh, I said, "My God, he's got some balls." I said, I said "Ben, everyone in that stadium hates him. <laughs> he's an Aussie who's gone to coach England." I said, and he said, "It says he's got." I said, "All the Aussies hate him. Everyone from Wales hates him." I mean, the Japanese fans are probably fairly neutral, to be fair, but they'll come around eventually. There was a lot of Aussies in that stadium, actually, wasn't there? Yeah, there was a lot there of was. Aussie noise. Yeah. Yeah. Graham Golvin gets in touch. He said, "Alan, did he, so, sorry, mate. Did, did he have like a University of Texas Longhorns cap on? He had a weird baseball cap on. Yeah, yeah, weird. Anyway, go on. Sorry, Graham Golvin gets in touch. He says, Alan Wynne Jones is good. A lot of rave reviews about Tipperick, quite rightly. But he said, but Alan Wynne Jones was a demigod. It's true. I mean, you know what? I think because it just happens so often now, you forget to make a point. There was one bit in that in, towards the end of that incredible defensive effort on the line." When Alan Wynne Jones stood sort of side on it, and he and he got a bloke. You know, like when you when you when you do an aeroplane with a toddler, mm. where you put your kind of arm between the legs a bit and one arm on the shoulder and kind of swing them. Yeah. He managed to stop somebody running by kind of doing that. Now you could question whether or not he should have had his arms there and all that, but he didn't dump tackle him or anything. But it was just he literally kind of picked him up like a coal bag on like sixty-seven minutes when you've been doing everything that you need to do. He's he's remarkable. 
I love the fact that now when it rains as well, he's completely fucking bald. But yet yeah. he still will not do it. Stop doing that candy floss thing with his yeah, hair. Good for him. As well. and yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> but also, I loved 130 caps, and I think Gareth Davis presented him in the change room. It was either before or after the game. It must have been after, you know. So he's he's put his balls on the line for 130 caps. Left everything on the field, right? And the, this is the Welsh Union to a T. Give him a fucking watch, right? <laughs> not a car, not a house, you know. It's probably like, you know, who, who the fuck wears a watch uh, now, mate? Do you know what I mean? Give him a watch. <laughs> He's not like employee of the men from the Hoover factory in 1976. <laughs> oh, what do you give a man that's got everything? Well, not a fucking watch, let me tell you. Red G-Shock. He's always completely kind of emotionless after the game, though, isn't he? He's oh, fairly yeah. intense, isn't he? I wonder if he's like that all the time. It's hard to know, isn't it? I don't know. I just, I just love them, man. i got a book of man crush on him. Squidge Rugby gets in touch. Hello, mate. Hope you're having a good time out in Japan. And he says, good is the Wales versus Australia game being over. He said, I've shelled out for a flight and a ticket to see it, but I would I would have been very okay with it if, if I'd been there to witness the first rugby match where the full-time whistle went after 45 seconds, such as my level of tension. TAO <laughs> uh, Whiteboard gets in touch. He said, good is Sean Edwards and Wales' defence. The wings stayed wide and trusted the inside backs, which saved a couple of tries. Wait, can I ask a question about it before we just briefly, right? Yeah. You look at Farrell getting the Ireland job, right? Yeah. Um, I can't believe... The full-time Ireland job after this or the defence job, do you mean? The full-time Ireland job? Yeah, yeah. On the back of his defensive work. Yes. Right? And, and I can't believe that Edwards was never in the frame to be the Welsh... Or maybe he was, but it's never been in the press if he was. I can't believe with the defence he's built and the ethos he's instilled in those boys in the last sort of five, six and years... And he's been a head coach, crucially. Yeah, he has. I just how he was was not on the frame for that job, unless I've missed a trick. I, I honestly don't know. I don't know either. Well, he'd be off. Well, he's going to get older. France's defence, isn't he? Soon. So yeah. So that'll be good. Well, the last time they had a rugby league guy doing their defence, they were pretty fucking handy when Dave Ellis was in charge of their defence. Yeah, good point. Um, anyway, Nathan agrees with that as well and says good was Sean Edwards' defensive setup. Give him a fucking castle, Nathan says. Josh yeah. Gardner gets in touch. From his fucking phone, ooh, probably ooh. with a fucking cocktail or something, and says, and says, good, just just give Justin Tipperick World Player of the Year a knighthood and ownership of the Slan Darcy Harvester franchise right now, Josh says. <laughs> yeah. That's a good, it's a good harvester, that. <laughs> it's a good harvester. <laughs> Abdullah Mahmood gets in touch. He said, was good was Jamie Ritchie and Maggie Bradbury. Yeah, Under the Frog agreed as well. He said, good was the Scottish back row. Good blend of pace, power and work rate. He said, now watch Tooney put Wilson and Barkley back in against Japan because, of course, he fucking will. Robert Giannotti gets in touch. He says, good was Thomas Williams' volleyball cricket boundary-style save on the Australian oh, kick. Oh, mate, what a bit of skill that was. I watched that repeatedly earlier, actually, because it yeah. came up on a tweet. The athleticism to do that... Watch where the ball is when is he makes contact. fucking unbelievable. He, he plants know. both his feet just inside touch and literally yeah. does... He didn't take a run-up. It was like a plyometric no. leap. From a standing start. That's got to be nine, ten feet in the nine, air. Nine, ten. And then both hands Five or six it, feet out of touch. And then managed enough to use his shoulders and his core to twist it and chuck it back in. It's Superb. Honestly, it looks... Yeah. It might look easy, but like... It, 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 he made Doesn't it look, look like people make snooker look when they know what they're doing. It looks easy, but you try to do it. You look a right fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. I told you my first ever game of snooker on a full-size table. We had, we It was only put a 50p in for the light for, for an hour, you know yeah. what I mean? Oh, aye. And, and by the time the light went off, we hadn't finished the red. 
<laughs> and they're all all over the table. What do you want you on telly? They all stay down one end of the table, don't they? Why is this five times bigger than the table on TV? It looks like you fucking tipped him out of a fucking tombola <laughs> machine within 10 minutes, doesn't it? It's terrible. Oh, magic. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Lindsay Brown says, good as the Japanese fans of the Scotland-Samoa game. So friendly, high fives and photos all round. Well, I'll just have a caveat there, Lee. Oh, yeah. Anyone doing the Mexican wave... Oh, there's too much of that going on, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. should, be, should be shot, honestly. Uh, shoot, shooting's too good for them. And any, any good games, I don't mind if it's a really boring game and you want to get involved. Like, I refuse to, on principle, ever get involved in the Mexican wave anyway. <laughs> right? But um, there's a video of me at the Pink Concert, and they started doing it before the Pink Concert, and I said, you can fuck right off. And Kelly was like, no, come on, everyone's doing it. I said, I'm not doing it. Um, no way. But especially at a good rugby game. Who's doing a wave? I don't know. I'm do, I am loving the fact, though, that all the mascots have to learn the anthem for who they're being mascots for and stuff. And they're playing like national... In a town where the, where the team is, they're playing national anthems through public address systems so people to so the town can learn the anthem. And well, stuff. I thought it was the same in England, but but on all the sort of Welsh uh, Twitter feeds and stuff and the, on the Welsh BBC Wales sites are all the primary schools in in Japan... Incredible, isn't it? ...that are singing the Welsh national anthem in Welsh. And Callan Lannan also. It's bloody amazing, amazing. yeah. Yeah, yeah, anyway, John T. Up North gets into it. He said, good was Stuart Hogg's fullback masterclass against Samoa. He said, admittedly, Samoa were awful, but if you just watched him, you wouldn't have known it. Yeah, you're right, actually. Uh, he's class. Oh, Whitehead RFC gets in touch and says, Aaron Wainwright and nothing else. That's his old club. We've been tweeted yeah, by his old on. club. Yes. Awesome. Well done, boys. I don't know what you did well to him there. I imagine 90% of where he is now is due to you. So fucking well done. Bang on. Bang on. And finally, Patricia gets in touch and says, Jim Hamilton in the studio for Scotland versus Samoa was good. On more than one occasion, he referred to the two sirs in the studio with him as Clive that was funny. and Sir see? Ian. Oh, it's, said, it's, watch Woodward's face as says, well. She says, hey, yeah, Clive's glare when he says it in the, do, in the shoeless befuddlement dojo is, a, is an absolute picture. Oh, That's got to be deliberate because he is a bit of a shitbag, isn't he? Oh, 100%. Hamilton. He's shithousing him all over the shop there. 100%. Oh, yes. Good call. Good call. Mike, thank you for stepping in and Cheers, taking it over from Josh. It's been a wonderful hour or so. Thank you, everybody, for getting stuck in. We'll be back. I was hoping to do one later this week, but I'm going back to America this weekend because that's just how fucking jet set and urbane I am these days. Wow. Wow. The Guardian, America. America, fucking munching on avocados, being part of the liberal elite. <laughs> Speak to you all soon, folks. Cheers, Mike. Ta-da. Cheers, Lee. Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.